You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the podcast that we like to call Best of the Week. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Chiefs take on the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday Night Football this week, so we've got plenty to get you caught up on. We'll start things off with the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. They've got some marinated takeaways from Week 4. After that, it's out of structure. They've got the Mahomes Mount Rushmore of plays that he's made during his time with the Kansas City Chiefs. After that, it's the Great British Chiefs Show. They dive into the Chiefs and Raiders. After that, we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, Chiefs Coast to Coast has some hot takes for the rest of the 2022 season. After that, we'll wrap things up with Show MBK discussing Jarek McKinnon, Jody Fortin, and a little bit of the offensive line. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, and man, you hear that open. You know what it's time it is for. It's time for the world-famous marinated takeaways from that 41-31. to 31. Sweet Sunday night football win for your Kansas City Chiefs over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, getting some of that revenge for what was a tough, tough Super Bowl to swallow. It doesn't make up for it completely, but at least uh, I think you, you get a win in Tampa. Patrick Holmes said after the game that it was important for him to feel like he could win there. It, it, he felt like maybe it might have been like a house of horrors, so to speak, and shakes that off a little bit, John. Uh, you always start us here with marinated takeaways. What was your initial takeaway from this 41 to 31 win? Well, I'd just like to once again point out, um, I, I know, you know, we're Chiefs fans. We have a Chiefs perspective and everything about every game is always the Chiefs perspective. You know, the offense played good. The defense was terrible, but it's always important to remember that the other guys get paid too. They are also on scholarship, as Marty used to say all the time he said it all the time and the reason for that is that it, it matters tampa bay is a good football team i don't care that their record was two and one the chiefs are a good football team and their record was also two and one so i think you have to you know factor that in not only to into how well the offense did but how many points the defense gave up i think this morning there's some people saying well you know the defense gave up a lot of points. Well, yeah, they gave them up to Tom Brady, who was trying to come back, you know, in the second half. And that's a guy that really knows how to do that, no matter which team he's playing for. So I think it's important as we evaluate what took place in this game is that the Buccaneers are a good team. And the Chiefs uh, beat them in a game where uh, the score didn't really recognize what happened in the game. They really dominated this game. Yeah, I think they set the tone early, and I think sometimes when it gets out of hand so fast, you you blinked in this game. The Chiefs were up twenty one three. That's what you mm-hmm. want to see every yeah. every week. Right. All of a sudden, that's going to make the Buccaneers go pass heavy. You know that part of it played into why they only rushed the ball for 
for three yards. And like, I'll give you an example on one of the Mike Evans touchdowns. Jalen Watson was blanketing him. Mike Evans is a potential pro football. Hall. He doesn't get the credit he deserves, but he's a potential pro football Hall of Fame wide receiver. That's still that's playing. I mean, he has a thousand yards every year. Right. And so you can cover him as great as you possibly can, and he could still score a touchdown. So I think some of that played into it. The Buccaneers have really talented receivers. I mean, you, you, Cameron Bright played well, but Chris Godwin is also on this team in, in his return. Good to see him get up after he's been dealing with injury after injury. So good to right. see Chris Godwin mm-hmm. get up. Yep. Cole Beasley, um, probably pretty underrated still. He's still getting acclimated to the Bucs. But what I'm saying is in a game that sort of goes sideways where you didn't expect and the score ends up changing the game planning a, a lot of times you got to throw out the score and i was going to say a different marinated takeaway first but i had a, a point on the defense it's this chief's defense as good as the offense has played last night it's his chief's defense that is suddenly making me feel like this is a legit super bowl team mm-hmm. again for the fifth year in a row it's the most consistent unit on the team i i understand you're probably some of you are probably out there, as John was saying in our comments and, and listening to this and being like, yeah, they gave up 31 points. Right. But I, I, you know, I just explained this is Tom Brady, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Like that, right. that can happen. They gave up less points than the Chiefs were able to score. They gave them a chance to win. And there were some really good things in this game, like Legereus Sneed and that sack. And really, I think, baiting Tom Brady into seeming like he was invisible. Tom Brady never even looked at Legereus Sneed. You know how rare it is for Tom Brady not to. No, you're mm-hmm. out there and, and yeah. you and not to be aware that you're even coming. He had no idea that Jerry Sneed was there. And that that play changed the game. And I think about the pressure they're getting on opposing quarterbacks, both in when they do these timely blitzes and when they don't. And the way that George Karloftis is playing and the way that Chris Jones, wish, he wishes he could have whatever he said to Matt Ryan back. But it, other than that, it has been a dominating year for Chris Jones when it comes to pressure and, and um, making the other offensive line and then the quarterback uh, uncomfortable and I I think about this unit and I think about that the way they're playing now and then I think about this Trent McTuffie's not on the field Mike Dana's missed a few games here and Mike Dana if you really look at the PFF numbers he's been getting a lot of pressure in opposing opposing quarterbacks and as real was really having you know talk about underrated a really underrated season before he he did hurt his calf so you're getting Trent McDuffie Mike Dana back and then in three games you get Willie Gay Jr. back who a lot of people might say is the most important slash best defender the Chiefs have. So this is a unit that's already playing like a top 10 unit, in my opinion, without these guys. You put these guys out there. Are they top five? Like, are we going to be thinking the Chiefs could have the best defense in the league at a certain point? I, I don't I'm not guaranteeing that. And I'm not saying that I think that's going to happen. But to at this point, feel like that's a possibility. When's the last time you felt like the Chiefs defense could be the number one unit in the league and you combine that with what Patrick Mahomes is doing and the way the offensive line played man it's it sucks that the playoffs don't start tomorrow John well my marinated takeaway led to one of yours and now you've led me to one of mine I was going to say what is this defense going to look like when McDuffie is back right and uh, you know when all these players are back you've that was exactly what I was going to bring up um you know they are performing very well without these guys uh, you know, how much is the pass rush going to be different when McDuffie is back there and there's a, a pass receiver out there that the quarterback is going to ignore? We know that when the secondary plays better, that the pass rush improves. This is just a fact. And uh, so getting McDuffie out there, getting back to our, our starting player uh, who was 
was really shutting players down and in what few snaps he had before he was injured um, and, and did in the preseason as well. I'm just real interested to see what this defense is going to look like when he's back there. And when these other players back there are back there too, I I think that's a good point um, about Willie Gay jr. Too. So uh, you've taken me right to the point that I wanted to make about the defense. Okay, excellent. So we we in our first segment two marinated takeaways. We're flowing like water. This, <laughs> the water is coming out, and we don't need the plumber. It, it is just the flow is is going so well, and we're we're excited about that. I want to get to my next marinated takeaway, and I, I I'm I'm thinking this is going to be a little bit unpopular with some people, and then other people are going to like it. Very polarizing marinated takeaway. Oh marinated. well, here we go. Clyde Edwards Alaire to me is having an excellent year and is doing everything you asked of him. And he deserves to be touching the football each and every game. We talked about the running back committee and how it's really working in segment one. I think Isaiah Pacheco might be the best early down back on the team. And I think he might deserve to touch the ball first and have Clyde Edwards, Elair be your change of pace. And that's hard to say and, and feel like you're not trying to take a side in and what is a CEH versus Pacheco take. And maybe I like Pacheco more. No, I think, I think that we get caught up on this in, in the Twitter world. And I think we get caught up on it in, in the comments of like, you got to like one guy or the other. No, I mean, I could tell you that I think Clyde Edwards Alaire is having a fantastic year and has become a really reliable back for the chiefs. And I, I think he deserves to be touching the football in 10 times a game. I think Isaiah Pacheco is the best North and South early down running back on the chiefs. So, you know, you're talking about first and 10 on the first drive. That's what I'm talking about. I think it should be Isaiah Pacheco. I think he runs harder than anyone else on the team. And I think you saw that for the first time last night. And, and you could tell in Andy Reid's words from our, our first segment that I, I think they're starting to feel that that way too. And I, I guess my greater point, and, and I'll reiterate, I, I've already said it a little bit, but you can say both, right? Like I, that, that's what I think. It's not really I'm choosing Pacheco over CEH. I just think maybe the roles could stand to be shifted here and it remains to be seen what the chiefs do in that sense andy reed typically will roll with the veterans and the rookie really has to press but what i would argue is i I think he was really pressing that competition last night and an internal competition does breed excellence and again i that's my takeaway i just man pacheco looked good last night and i think at at a certain point it's going to be hard to ignore that Well, I agree. Um, Just certainly on the basis of how he performed, uh, obviously he was on par with Edwards Allaire. We've already, we've already talked about that. You know, I mentioned that the statistically they were uh, on par last night going into halftime and they stayed that way through most of the game. So you're not wrong. And you're also not wrong that Andy Reid will tend to go with the veteran in this situation. And although Reid made it clear today when he, we mm-hmm. listened to his comment in the last segment that um, uh, that Pacheco has made strides. He's still not all the way there. Right. And I think this year, Edward Zelaire is still going to have the edge to be the first down guy. Um, I understand your point, and I, and I don't think it's wrong. I just think that that's not how it's going to play out because at the end of the day, they're in, all of a sudden I'm Eric B enemy at the end of the day, uh, the chiefs are going to tend to lean towards a guy who has more experience in the system. And particularly since he's now starting to be effective 
uh, Edward Zilaire is going to be that guy. So All right. I, I, I don't disagree with you, but I think it's not going to play out that way. Let me challenge you here for a second then. Okay. Do the Chiefs pick up the fifth-year option ahead of next year? Yeah, well, that makes that discussion very interesting, doesn't it? Right. Because if, if Pacheco has really come along, uh, then do you do that or not? Now, I think that will, to some extent, depend on the kind of year that Edwards Zerlayer has. I think the last time I checked, he was on pace for 1,600 yards from scrimmage, which would be an excellent performance Absolutely. for an NFL uh, running back. There's no doubt about that. And, and of course, much better than he did <laughs> by a substantial percentage in either of the last two seasons. Um, and at that point, you know, I think you can justify picking up that fifth year option if that's how the year plays out. And then the question becomes, do you want to hang on to this one, two punch? And I wouldn't be a bit surprised if the chiefs want to do that, um, to, to have on, you know, have that pair of running backs together because obviously it works. Right. You know, I, and, and you've got the injury backup and, and all that. I, I, but it does, it is, it's going to make that conversation very interesting. And we're back on the Out of Structure Podcast, Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Matt Stagner with Ron Cobb Jr., who just in the time that we were away, definitively answered the question of the four plays on the Mount Rushmore for Patrick Mahomes, the four Hall of Fame highlight reel plays that we're going to talk about forever. Ron, where'd you land? All right. This is tough, man. Cause you know, and, and even I was thinking too, you know, we all, it, it's easy to forget, like even earlier this year, the week two, uh, you know, where he's run into the sideline, you know, he spins around and then, you know, chucks an underhand to Jarek McKinnon pretty much so many plays stag so many plays, but I think the easy ones, I, I, I think it is, you, you have to do wasp in the AFC championship game run because not only are they amazing plays, they happen in the biggest stages, the biggest moments. So you got to do those two. I'm going to go Ravens fourth and nine because that play is just absurd. He's he's sprinting to his right and throws it, you know, so far downfield. I mean, just unbelievable. It's a fourth down play, obviously games on the line, you know, and it's his first year starting. So I, I think that's still, you know, it, it's still crazy to me. The fourth spot is where it gets really hard, but Stags, you, you brought it up, you know, as a kind of a late addition as like, Oh yeah, that did happen. Right. That Tennessee Titans jump pass, man. Like, I'm sorry, man. Like, that is just to hit the guy, to hit McColl on the run like he did. I know the Conley touchdown is like the coming out party moment, but I think this this jump pass against the Titans is even harder and crazier. And it, it was still a big part of the game. You know, they they lost that game, but it, that play could have won them the game if the defense, uh, you know, holds up after that. So I don't think this week's play deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore. I, I think it's a crazy play. I think, you know, it's all up there with the top five, top tens of his career. But, I, I you know, in terms of difficulty of play, in terms of just like sheer like, holy cow, this dude is insane. I still think that Tennessee Titans jump pass in 2019. It was actually the game he came back from injury, too. I mean, just unreal, unreal, Mahomes. He's just crazy. Yeah, that was an impossible task. I'm glad I put you on the spot as opposed to the other way around. I appreciate that. I think that's a good list. Um, I'm not so sure that that's exactly the way I would go with that fourth spot, but uh, that seeing the well, highlight again from that, you I'm put just you, you put me on the spot. Where what is it then? What's the fourth one then? You know the the fourth one for me is probably the. I still think it's the 13 seconds. You know, I think just the moment, just yeah. the just the story of that game again tarnished by the fact that they didn't uh, end up back in the Super Bowl this past year. But 
that the right. epic nature of that game and the way that uh, they won that is just going to be it's going to be hard to to uh, ever forget. And then yeah, yeah, just that was just a you know it was just a perfect play to end it to the to the perfect player. So uh, That's I like that one. I, I do think this Clyde pass is up there. It's it's definitely uh, on the list of improv improvisations is pretty high. Obviously, there's no look passes we didn't even talk about. There are, uh, you know, uh, there's a, there's a lot of other stuff out there. But and we'll see what he does this week. This list might this list might change. All right. Yeah. You know. You know. Real quick, I I I meant to bring this up, but Peter King actually in his Football Morning in America actually did a similar thing where he looked that he wanted to list Mahomes' best plays, and he did. You know, you mentioned the no look. He did actually have the number two play he thinks Mahomes has ever made as that that Ravens game, the same Raven game as the fourth and nine where he no looks to D Rob, where he's looking to the right and throws it. He had that as the number two throw. And like, I get it. It is nuts, but I mean, you know, I don't know. You think that deserves to be up there? I, I you know, I don't just compared to there, the rest. There of was the another no look pass to a running back on the sideline uh, through a couple defenders that, that uh, always sticks in my mind ahead of the, the D Rob one. Yeah. Uh, but hey, a lot of people pointed out the Clyde pass this week was sort of a no look as well. Yeah, um, it was. It was. Yeah. <laughs> so Freaking ridiculous, man. Well, back to this game and back to your questions. Um, appreciate everybody who, who responded with questions this week. Definitely, if you haven't asked a question in the past, nothing's off limits. So, so bring your bring your worst for us. Uh, but uh, somebody who always brings great questions, Jake Wilson at Jake for now on Twitter. Is the out-of-conference win over the Bucs more valuable to the Chiefs' mission than a win against the Colts would have been? So maybe this is the would-you-rather. Would you rather have beat the Colts <laughs> yeah. and lost to the Bucs or, or lost to the Colts and beat the Bucs? You know, it, in terms of playoff seeding, man, it is really important to have those AFC wins. Like, it really is. Like, especially when the, the top of the AFC race with the Ravens and the Bills might be, you know, t- tight this year. But I, I do think the challenges or the uh, lessons you learn from from winning this big against a, a really good team against Tom Brady against the number one defense in the league on the road, you know, after facing, you know, a, a, you know, a, the adversity of everyone talking about, you know, the Colts loss. I do think, you know, in terms of the team psyche, you know, let's say they come out with that same, you know, Sags, what if they come out with this mentality this week and, and still lose? You know, I mean, that's that's a pretty downer. You know, that's a pretty big downer for a new team. You know, I know Mahomes has been, you know, there's a core that's been there, but there's a lot of new faces too. So I, I will say this is probably more important. I, I would rather the, than have this statement win against the Bucks if it means losing the, the, the Colts game, even though that AFC win is, is really important. It really is. What do you think? No question. I, I, think, I think the playoff atmosphere, the prime time, the, right. uh, the contender, the, and to a lesser extent, getting some monkeys off your back with the, you know, getting, yeah, that's getting true. past that Super Bowl. Uh, loss, you know, getting the offensive line back to the way that they're they're playing today, like you know, this week. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't change it. Jake also asked, do you think the Chiefs benefit from losing a few games that kind of reigns in the the side effect of the team complacency from having Mahomes magic? So again, said another way, do they do they benefit? Is it good for them to drop a stinker now and then just to keep them humble? Yeah, I think it's it's. I don't know if it's necessarily good for them to to ever uh, you know lose the game. I think it's good for them to have those stinkers of games. You know, even if they pull it out at the end. But yeah, I guess 
you know, there's sometimes even when you play bad and you win, you kind of just feel invincible, right? You know, it almost is like, hey, you know, we can do this even when we're playing bad. But I do think it's just natural. And and I think, you know, that was kind of, you know, off the, you know, the the front of the show is just that, you know, they are going to have the, these games, right? They are going to have these losses and there are lessons to learn from them. And, and, and I think you saw the offensive line learned the lesson in one week, you know, pretty much that, hey, you know, if, if we can come out and, and, and set the tone, you know, and be aggressive rather than, you know, and, and I, again, I think the coaching staff had a lot to do with weaponizing them this week, but I, I, I do think the losses can be good, you know, definitely, um, you know, I, I, again, an AFC loss isn't good and, and you want to win those games, especially when it's against a crappy team and because you have such a hard schedule, man. Like, you are not getting the Colts on the schedule again for quite a while. I'll tell you that much. Uh, the Colts are probably the worst team. It, they may end up being the worst team they play all year. So, in that respect, you know, you want to win those games because you're going to lose some of the, the games against tougher teams. Yeah, I, I do. I, I get what you're saying because I do think that there's there's something to be said for the, the years they've dealt with adversity. 2019, when they won the Super Bowl, they dealt with a ton of adversity that year. They had injuries. They had some stinkers that year. There were question marks throughout. There was things that they had to go through, and I think that that helped, you know, help them in the end because they had a lot of strength that they could draw from that, a lot of uh, battle-tested, you know, some scars that they can draw on. Yeah. And I think the the following year, they sort of coasted a little bit into that Super Bowl year against against Tampa, uh, and and we were, you know, we as fans were pretty overconfident going into that Super Bowl. And and uh, didn't see any way that they were going to lose because even if they didn't play well that year, they still won. So mm-hmm. to your point, they 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 probably felt a little more invincible that year, uh, and and it didn't work out well for them. So I think if you think of it as a as a movie script, as I often do, there's always the 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 down you know the dips in the season. There's always the the struggles that a team goes through, and that's part of what makes them a champion. I think if they coast through the entire season, they might uh, that stinker that they that's going to happen at some point might happen in the playoffs, and, right? And so you, that's what you don't want, right? Exactly. No, no, you want the stinkers to happen now. I mean, that's the thing. It is kind of funny, you know. It's either you know Andy Reid starts off really hot, or you know, like last year wasn't the greatest start to the season. Um, but you know, that's that's just how the, the Chiefs have been, and I, I definitely think it's just it'd be nice if you know maybe those stinkers happened uh, against you know, better teams, uh, you know, so you beat the good teams, right. Uh, or you beat the the bad teams and, and don't, you know, uh, have too many losses against, you know, your, your, the teams you need tiebreakers against. That's the, that's my main. This is it, mate. Turn of the week five champions, <laughs> the Raiders. Uh, they play the Chiefs at Arrowhead. In well, I've got to check my notes. Uh, another week five clash, believe it or not. Wow. <laughs> We're here again. So the week five champions rolling in for week five against the Chiefs. 
this is going to be one of those games that we were just saying before about Mahomes, wasn't it? Where he was just like, right, he he has a chip on his shoulder about the Raiders. I mean, he always gets fired up for these Raiders games anyway, but I think the fact that it's week five, they're coming arrowhead again. I think it's it's going to flood back all those memories of that, you know, that bus party going around the, you know, doing the lap of honor around arrowhead. I think Mahomes is going to be playing lights out again in this, uh, and he's going to get the whole team's going to be fired up for this as well. Even though the team's completely changed from from the last time that they played, um, you know, and and won the Week Five championship. But yeah, I think the Chiefs are going to be in for uh, in for this and and really kind of make this a demolition. No kidding, Chiefs Kingdom. Brad got that excited then about beating the uh the potentially beating the Raiders because he hates the Raiders that he knocked his mic over as he was I talking. Did, yeah. <laughs> so you I don't know if you heard I, the flood. I don't know if you heard the flood Chiefs Kingdom, but he caught his mic. But he got <laughs> he got that excited about the Chiefs beating like his own lookalike Derek Carr on, on Monday night football <laughs> that he he knocked his mic over. So I've got a stat here about Patrick Mahomes in prime time. So in his last 17 primetime games, Patrick Mahomes is 15 and 2. What? 15 and 2 in his last 17 primetime games. So if that's a season worth of stats, he's thrown 4,800 yards, 38 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. And that's that is prime time games. And one thing we know about prime time games, they're meant to be close games. That's the idea mm. of them. Yeah. They're meant to schedule in close games. Like the outlier from the last few seasons is for whatever reason, they decided to put the New York Giants versus Kansas City Chiefs on prime time last year. I still don't understand that decision. But in general, the idea is that you get a close game. Patrick Mahomes doesn't do close primetime games no. for whatever reason. And when it, the lights come on, whether it's on the road or an hour ahead, especially against the Raiders as well, there's something that happens with Patrick Mahomes and this offense. There's something that happens with Derek Carr in the stadium, full stop. Yeah, he got lucky once, but they got lucky. They they wrote they wrote a song about it and drove a bus <laughs> around the stadium. Hail to the bus driver, bus driver, bus driver. Hail to the bus driver, bus driver. You've got little old ladies sitting in Vegas on their slot machines. Do you remember that day when Derek Carr outplayed Patrick Mahomes? Oh, it was a beautiful day. <laughs> Uh, Where'd that come from? I don't know. This podcast is getting worse. It's getting worse. Isn't it? <laughs> like earlier today, I was talking about Travis Kelsey being the reason why the Chiefs lose games because he dances in the end zone. Now, <laughs> <laughs> now I'm doing impressions of old ladies on slot machines. The slot machines um, in Vegas. What the yeah. hell? I, I, I don't know where I'm going. I've only had one beer tonight as well. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I tell you, it's that it's that throw. It's that throw on Monday on yeah. Sunday night. It's just done things to me. It's that, made that throw that he did. Yeah, it's, it's that throw and Arsenal beating Spurs. It's just quite like my, my brain is like, I am like a puppy at the moment. It's got your giddy, isn't it? I'm too excited about sport at the moment. So <laughs> when I talk about sport, my brain just turns to mush. Yeah, um, well, I'm, I'm knocking over mics. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what is this team doing to us? But no, <laughs> the, 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 um, the Raiders are coming into town and the Raiders have come off, a, let's be fair, a good win against the Broncos. Like, it was expected, though. But divisional wins are hard to come by for mm. AFC West teams. We know this because, like, our record against them is is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But like the Broncos, like that was a must-win game for the Raiders. They, if they, I, mm. I think they're out of playoff contention anyway because they're going to need such a run in this last 
four, 13 games anyway to to stand a chance. Yeah. But it, had they lost on Sunday and lost a divisional game and gone to 0-4, their season would have been well and truly over. Yeah. Like, they might, maybe because of the 17th game, because of the seven playoff teams, stand a small chance. They're like, they've given themselves a puncher's chance to make the playoffs. Mm. But a loss on Sunday would have just been completely damaging. And I do appreciate the way that the, the Raiders went about their business. I actually watched this game before we come on air. Damn, I, qu- yeah. I quickly watched the game. Mm. And it was clear that Josh McDaniels had a plan. And the, the plan for the Raiders' offense was to run the football. Mm-hmm. And they ran the football very, very well. And then relied on Carr to take the easy yards in the pass game. Like it was, yeah. it was a typical Josh McDaniels in New England type of offense. Do you know what? It, I'm I, so I glad think, you said that because I was I, thinking the same. I thought, no, that's a crazy take. But no, I'm gl- I'm so glad you said that it was almost like vintage Patriots esque style yeah. of play, wasn't it? And I'm yeah. not saying that we're not saying, oh, this is our oh, Derek Carr is on Tom Brady's level. No, he can't execute to that level. But Maybe he is. the type of things that he was being asked to do yeah. was, and the way that the offense was rolling for, for the Raiders, I just looked at it and I thought, this is just like mid two, mid two, mid 2010s Patriots yeah. where they just have a, some running backs in that established the running backs. And then let, let Derek Carlos, who Tom Brady and that take the easy throws and beat them over the top. And um, do you think they, he's just cracked open the, the new England? He's blown the dust off. Yeah, uh, off the playbook from New England, blown it and just scrubbed out the name Patriots. Yeah, and yeah. just stuck another little sticker over with like you know some pirate with a shield on it. You know, yeah, yeah. And just stuck it over it and thought, right, there's our new playbook, lads. And then like in the inside cover pages, like a love heart with Tom Brady's face inside of it. <laughs> 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 inside. And it's all torn up now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Maybe, maybe he just draw. Well, instead of like scrubbing out Tom Brady, he just put like guy liner, guy liner <laughs> under the eyes to pretend he's Derek Carr. <laughs> I tell you, this podcast is getting worse. It's getting, it's getting worse. worse. I'm only on water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but what they ran for over 200 yards against the Broncos, which yeah. is impressive because the Broncos' strength is meant to be in in their defense, and um, they ran b- between the tackles well, especially Josh Jacobs. Um, obviously, two months ago. He was starting, I think it was, uh, he started the Hall of Fame game, didn't he? He did, And when he started the Hall of Fame game, it was like, why is Josh Jacobs playing the Hall of Fame game? Like, starters aren't meant to be playing the Hall of Fame game. The Hall of Fame game is meant to be for, like, reserves or, Mm. I don't know, cheerleaders. Stick them in a uniform or anyone like that. (laughs) Just stick stick anyone in the uniform and let them play the Hall of Fame game. (laughs) But Josh Jacobs played that. So there was a lot of question marks about him. Obviously, I think they had Kenyon Drake and then did they release him? I think so, Um, yeah. But he seems to be the guy now. He is their he's their number one back, and he ran really well. He ran really angry, as well. He did really angry. Like there was one run. It was a touchdown run that he had, and he all he did was a, 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 a one cut move, and then got up into the second level. And there was a safety to come down. I can't remember what safety it was. It wasn't Justin Simmons. It was the other one for the Broncos. He come down, yeah. and the the guy looked like the safety. He had like all of the leverage come through, and Josh Jacobs just like ran through him like mm. like he wasn't there just went straight through him and took them both into the end zone and it's that type of run which a defense has to respect it's the type of run that the buccaneers could not get going on sunday night and there was clear there was a clear plan from the raiders that they were going to establish to run and they were going to run 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 to set up the pass you even had Derek carr running on mm. on sunday, on sunday he looks funny running doesn't he 
Derek Sorry? Carr. He look he looks he always looks a bit funny running for me. Yeah, Derek he looks Carr. like he's not meant to be running. No, he's not. No. Um but, but is that I suppose that's that's kind of like the unexpected thing. Like that teams still get shocked when Patrick Mahomes runs the ball. We know that Mahomes can run the ball. Yeah. But teams still look surprised at it when it happens. Like <laughs> yeah. that guy can run. Like he's not he's he not, well. he's not Josh Allen. <laughs> and um maybe maybe that's what they're gonna expect, maybe from Derek Carr now, a little bit more, maybe a little bit more mobility, just without the fumbling into the back of the end zone and the touchbacks. Um but yeah, I thought the Raiders played quite well to be honest against the Broncos, especially on the offensive side of things. After seeing the, how they played against the Broncos and how the Chiefs played against the Buccaneers defensively. I'm really looking forward to this yeah. because I think the Chiefs defense is going to be too much and it's going to be able to, they're going to be able to shut that game down straight from the start. Right. Yeah, from Josh. We haven't got, Josh Jacobs got hasn't us. been this consistent though. It, no, it no, worked yeah, this it's time. Not just a, it's not just a run game, is it? You've no. got like the, the Raiders problem is Derek Carr. And I still think he's good. Just don't tell him that. <laughs> I, I, I still think Derek Carr's good. I just don't think sign him for another ten years. Come on. Yeah, he's not top ten. He's he is in the middle of the field quarterback, maybe pushing that top twelve type of quarterback. But he's not. He's not elite. Let's be yeah. honest. He's not. But they still have plenty of weapons in that Raiders team that they can cause some damage. They have Tay Adams. They have Darren Waller. They have Hunter Renfro. They have Josh Jacobs. They have these guys that are very very good pass catchers and runners of the football that they can cause problems the problem the Chiefs have got is that they haven't got a Patrick Sartain like the Broncos have like right. he's already one of the chief, uh, the league's best cornerbacks and he just followed Tay Adams round on, on Sunday night and done an admirable job mm. against him but it was kind of ineffective in the overall scheme of things because the Raiders were moving the ball on the ground mm. so they they do have like as much as we want to take the mick out of the Raiders, they do have plenty of ways to move the football. And yeah. I, I don't think this is going to be like previous occasions against the Raiders where we've gone out so early and just blown them out so early on in our head. And did like you know, I remember, do you remember we had a couple of years ago we had like Derek Gore running yeah. running for like the whole of the fourth <laughs> quarter. It's not going to be a game like that. Yeah, I do, I do expect the Raiders to score points. I do, I think on the other side is where the Raiders will have like major problems. Yeah, uh, yeah. Clearly, Devontae Adams is going to be a handful. Um, he only had nine receptions. He had 101 yards in the last game. He's clearly the number one guy to go for. And and like you said, if Hunter Renfro is back from, is it? Did he have concussion in the last game? Something like that, wasn't it? it unless he's you know hurt his ego or something after that uh, that horrible drop he had in the uh, couple of games prior. Uh, hmm. That might have been the case why he was on the injury list, but. Um, you're right. There's, you know, there's Darren Waller. There, there are ways that they can actually uh, dial up players and 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 win games against you because of the the talent they've got there. But Derek Carr, put it this way, I think the Raiders would be a much more devastating team if they changed their quarterback and kept the players that they've got now. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Let's, let, let's go on wax really quick. Uh, we want to give a, a, a hot take for the rest of the regular season. Y'all can hold us to this. Serta's going to clip these, and we're going to make sure that these <laughs> we're held accountable for these. These hot takes this is right up your alley, Mr. Skip, uh, Mr. Skip Bayless, Mark Gunnels. <laughs> I'll go first, man. And, and I okay. teased it a little bit earlier. Um, I'm talking about Chiefs running backs and how balanced this offense has been. Uh, I, I'm going to put on my CEH cape on real quick. Can I do that? Yeah, go ahead, man. My hot take is, and this may not even be a hot take. I think he goes over a thousand scrimmage yards and double digit double digit touchdowns. And I think when I say double digit touchdowns, it could be more in the teens. And when I say that, I, 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 I'm, of course, thinking that he's going to be healthy. But when I, I say that, I mention the role that he has shown in this office. Kansas City has said previously, and I've said this previously on this platform, uh, that they not only see Clyde as a running back, but they see him as one of the best football players uh, on their team. And Kansas City, to me, has found a way to mold what he does well with what they try to do. Uh, I, I think about that fourth down play in the Tampa game that really hurt didn't didn't come back to hurt you in the end because you won so well and were playing so well offensively. But that exemplifies what they want to do with Clyde. They want to get him out in space. Uh, they want to use him on first and second down. Uh, he's going to be in there with Pacheco, and Pacheco is going to have a role. But uh, with Clyde already having five touchdowns through four games after only having six last year, I think double-digit touchdowns is absolutely a lock. And then the 1,000 scrimmage yards, while it might be skewed more to his passing game work, I still think he hits that. So that's my, that's my on wax. Is that really a hot take? I don't know if it's I don't know if it's like a five alarm fire if it's a hot come take on man that's because a cop it, out bro he already has like five this, touchdowns <laughs> even this even well I said teens I said well teens, you said double digits at first okay so I, I'll say okay. teen hold, hold me to teens and and even this last time the, the Chiefs played the Raiders uh, that whole logo stomp game it was December twelfth of two thousand and twenty one Clyde had two rushing touchdowns in that game uh, and that was the last time these two teams faced off. I think the double-digit touchdowns, I mean, teens. Put, put, put me at 13-14, and I, I'm still feeling confident about that. All right, guys. You know Aaron is a real company man. He's going to give you the PC answers. Oh, my you know, gosh. So I'm going to give oh you guys God. a real hot take. I'll give you guys the real. That's what I'm here for. Uh, you know, I'm not here wearing a suit and tie every day, man. So I'm 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 unbuttoned. I'm on the beach with, with no shirt Yo, on, we man. Know. Dog, that shirt be way too unbuttoned. That's the problem. You need to button it back up. <laughs> All right, here's my hot take. So when Willie Gay, and it's going to start, like, okay, let me preface this. This hot take starts when Willie Gay and Trent McDuffie are both back together. So I don't know if that's going to be in two weeks, three weeks. I'm not sure about McDuffie. We know about Willie Gay. So whenever they're back on the field together, from that point on, this Chiefs defense will be top five in fewest points allowed from that point on when they're both back. What if we don't get that, Mark? Are you talking about my, you talking about my take? What do you mean if we don't toast? get that? McDuffie's coming back. 
What about the okay? So you're saying with those two back, yeah, from that point on, top. from that whatever the week that is, they'll be top five and fewest points allowed as a defense. What gives you what gives you confidence? Speak, expand on your point a little bit. Well, I mean, they're already. I'm not exactly sure their rank, honestly, right now. I haven't looked it up, but I would imagine they're in the top half of the league for sure, and uh, fewest points allowed already. And considering you have this offense, I think they're going to put a lot of pressure on other teams. And, you know, when when teams get out their game plan, like obviously you want to run the ball, milk the clock, keep homes off the field. But if you get down 14, 21 points, you got to, you know, rip the script apart and things can go haywire for you, right? Because now you're going out of character. And not to mention, like I said before, Trent McDuffie is their best corner in my mind. So now you bring everybody back into their natural position. And, you know, Jalen Watson or Fenton will have to split some time as well. And then, obviously, Willie Gay. He's their most athletic linebacker. He's the best at covering tight ends. And he's the guy, obviously, Bolton has the green dot. But Willie Gay, to me, just from an athletic standpoint, just brings the defense to a whole nother level because you can put him anywhere on the field. So considering those two guys coming back and what they've already done without them, I don't see why they can't be top five and fewest points allowed once they both come back. And not to mention the pass rush. I mean, they're one of the top teams right now in pressure rate. So with those guys back, I think it's going to be even better because now you bring everybody back into their natural spots. You don't even have to blitz as much. The Chiefs PR staff has the Chiefs at allowing 24 points per game, which would have them as 20th currently. Mark says, when quarterback Trent McDuffie and Willie Gay are back The last game skewed those numbers, man. Well, I mean, I'm just going based on yeah, what you said. I know, you I know, know. We can't put, we're going to put a qualifier No, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, though. The, la- the last game really skewed those numbers, but it's all good. That's our on wax, our hot takes for the rest of the year. CEH, who is the Chiefs leading point scorer right now. I got him going over a thousand scrimmage yards and double digit touchdowns. I put that in the teens. Mark has top five defense when McDuffie and Gay are back on the field for Kansas City. Let's talk Chiefs Raiders Monday night. Man, we we're flying through the show. Uh, Serta asked very point blankly when we were putting together the the rundown. He's like, "How can Vegas win this game? Especially considering how these teams have looked through four games." So very, I mean, just blatantly, can't can Vegas win this game, Mark? I mean, any team can win a game. So Look at you. you. You've learned. You've learned from your Bengals game. From your Bengals <laughs> game. <laughs> All right, man. Anyway, um, yeah, of course they can win the game. I mean, of, yeah, they're playing the game. They're professionals. Will they? Of course not. I mean, but if you want to, you know, I'll play devil's advocate and say how can they win this game? They'll have to win the turn- turnover battle by at least a plus three. Uh, Mahomes have to throw some interceptions, some fumbles, some weird stuff happen. And then obviously their offensive line would have to hold up, which I'm very skeptical about because they do have playmakers. You got Devontae Adams, obviously, Darren Waller. I would imagine that Hunter Renfro comes back this week. I saw that he was a, a limited practice guy, I believe, I saw today. Don't quote me on that, but I think I saw that. But anyway, I think he'll be back regardless, especially with it being on Monday, an extra day to prepare. So, I mean, the offense does have potential. They really do. But to me, uh, the Chiefs are just clearly a better team all around. Raiders fans are already thinking about who's going to replace Derek Carr next year. It's really bad over there. And their defense, I mean, that secondary is maybe one of the worst in the league. They do have Max Crosby, who is a threat. So, I mean, you know, if you get Max Crosby, get a strip fumble on Mahomes, which is possible. 
you know, get some momentum, then, you know, anything can happen. But I think for the most part, this offensive line showed last week against a better D-line that they're capable of holding up and then some. And I think the Chiefs will be able to run the ball on this team as well. So, yeah, I think it's going to be ugly. I really do. But, uh, yeah, for the Raiders to win, they'll have to at least get three to four turnovers, and they can't turn the ball over themselves. We were really close last week. We hit yeah. three out of the four legs of the parlay. It's we, – we relied too heavily on Jarek McKinnon. We just needed Jarek McKinnon to get 20 receiving yards. Instead, he's getting handoffs at third and one. I don't know what was going on there. That was the only thing we didn't hit. We got to yeah. stop that, by the way. I like I, I love but when Jarek the Chiefs McKinnon. get the ball. Is that the number one thing we got to stop with the <laughs> yes, Chiefs? Yes, yeah. we do. No, no more Jarek right McKinnon now. short yardage goal line touches. Uh, uh-uh. uh, no, no more of that. If you want to do more of the Noah Gray stuff, the creative, let's find a way to get a new tight end the ball and quarterback sneak situations. That's fine. I'm all for it. No problem with it. Jarek McKinnon is not your short yardage back, Andy. He's just not. Stop trying to make that a thing. Fetch is not a thing, Andy. I listen. I. I have attempted to just accept this. You all know this. Andy just goes through. I'm the cutest. I'm the cutest chick in the room feels. You know, I just look, (laughs) I look good in here. Look at me. I got my nice little hat on. I'm showing my hair a little bit. My bangs out a little bit. I got this nice little, little power suit on and everything. I look good. I'm the cutest. I'm the cutest dame in this piece. (laughs) And every t- every now and then, old cute Andy has to come out and just say, mm, got my red lipstick on. How about this? I, I don't know. want that image. No, hold on. I, we got to stop yeah. that. I don't need that this in my really, life. I, I got my sexy red hot. lipstick on. Yeah. I got my red pumps on. And Andy just come out and say, you know what? I know Clyde ran it in short yardage. You got a big touchdown. I know Isaiah Pacheco has just been physical and falling forward for at least a yard all game. But no, let me show you something. I'm going to go McKinnon for sure. Because <laughs> I'm Number one. Hey, you like that Blake Bell touchdown, didn't you? You thought that was cute, wasn't it? I'm going to show you. I could be real cute. I'll be dead. And you know, Andy just got to have them cute moments. He got to have it. He got to have it. You know, and I've just accepted it. I'd like for him to stop. Hopefully he got that <laughs> out of his system. Maybe, maybe throw it to him. How about that? Yeah, so you we just needed 20 receiving yards, and we would have gotten everybody paid on Sunday. Looking but, uh, at the, uh, the stat sheet right now, Jarek McKinnon finished with one receiving yard. Yeah. But, you know, Andy got to be cute, man. I mean, Andy did some, some real cute stuff in there. You know, like, watch. I'm going to get Jody Fortson this touchdown. Just y'all watch. Bam. Jody okay, Fortson, I'm, man. All, all my dude does is catch touchdowns. It's amazing. It. You know how many catches he has this year, Ron? I don't know. Five. Two. Two. You know how many touchdowns he has? Two. It's two. Really two. <laughs> it's amazing. I thought, I thought he had gotten a couple others. Oh, he man. Two He's targets just, yeah. and two touchdowns. It's yeah, amazing. Man. Yeah, he need, to, he need to take that number off. Disrespectful son of a gun. I don't know why they just keep <laughs> letting him walk around wearing that if number. You, if every catch you make is a touchdown, you can continue wearing whatever you want. No, no he can't, man. That's disrespectful. That might be the best chief. That might be. That might arguably be a. That's a top five chief of and all. And Jody time. Fortson's really good. And I don't. Yeah, top he, five. Yeah, he could be really good. Yeah, he can wear eighty two, eight. <laughs> he can wear. It's all a host of numbers he can wear. I'm with Rod. I'm with that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It's just 
Just because that man keeps wearing those gloves on that damn halftime show for no reason in 60-degree <laughs> weather. He's got to be the coldest person in America, Tony Gonzalez. He's got to – this man is dressed in another – man, I'm like, man, where are you, at Cleveland? Where are you? <laughs> last, last week there in Cincinnati, it was – I mean, listen, no, everybody else got on jackets, regular suits. Tony in a first down jacket. He is in a bubble coat with gloves. I'm like, dog, what is chilly. going on? Just chill. It's not chilly, man. <laughs> like, man, we're indoors. What are you doing? I, anyway, but Jody is just still disrespectful. That jersey should be retired. It's ridiculous. Just anyway. Anyway. All right. We, we've got those things out. All right. McKinnon, yes. Stop that, man. Just throw him the ball. Can I say this? See, see, you'd have messed up now. Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, and 7-7, seven, seven, man, doing the best he can. I, all right, man, I've been putting my arms around you. I've wrapped my arms around you, 7-7. Seven, seven. He's just their best doing, tackle right now. Just doing the best you can. Like my man said in, in, in Bad Boys, that's how you drive. Damn it, that's how you drive. Okay, see now – and when the Chiefs get the ball on Sunday or Monday, excuse me, when they play the Raiders, see, I don't want to see, I don't, I, I don't want to see the Chiefs getting their asses kicked up front like we've seen at times this year. I don't want to see it because you'd have messed up. Oh no, 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 no! No, you faced the best front seven. Am I lying, Brian? Brandon, and called you Brian. Am I lying? You faced the best front seven in football. And it's probably dominated. them or the Forty ers It's it's one of those two. 49ers, they're really, they're really, really good too. You, you face the second best front seven in football, right? They're better than Dallas, right? Because that Dallas, that and that front four for Dallas too, boy. They, that Michael front seven for Dallas, good. Pretty, yeah. Awesome. All right, you face one of the top three <laughs> front sevens in football. At least the best front seven when it comes to stopping the run, and you. Not just fared well, not just held your own. You dominated them jokers. I've never seen Big 50 get moved like that. OVV. I've never seen him get moved like that. See now? See now, if you can do that to them, then I expect you to do that to the Raiders. And I expect you to do that to everybody else that you play to play with that kind of intensity. You have messed up now. So this offensive line that I called out last week and you performed in a major way, way to step it up. It shouldn't take Shaq Barrett, who is now backing up, I mean, backpedaling worse than Dion now. It shouldn't take Shaq Barrett to come in and call you out. You should be able to play like that every single week. And now, damn it, you'd have done it. And I expect to see that against the Raiders. So when the Chiefs get the ball, I, 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 the first thing I expect to see, sir, in, in, in BK, is that I see that offensive line that played Sunday night against the Raiders they went from Patrick Mahomes leading them and rushing against the Colts with 26 yards and having no running back carries go more than six yards against Indianapolis to having 37 carries for 197 yards against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers it just doesn't make sense man I I don't understand it in a good way in some regard like it I, I never could have projected that they would play that well on the ground. It's why I picked them to lose that game is because I just, I thought they were going to really struggle on the ground. I thought it was going to be hard for them to consistently move the ball through the air. And I thought that their defense was going to struggle more than they did against a revamped Bucks offense. And on 
all accounts, they were awesome last week, man. That is what we expected. I didn't know they had. I didn't know they had that in them. I did. I I, I didn't know they had that. Ron, I I think there are there are two different pieces to this puzzle. One, I think they got chewed out like crazy that week by Andy Reid. When Andy Reid is talking to the broadcast team and he's telling them, hey, we think we can expect more out of this offensive line. We think they've underperformed. That is Andy like scolding them publicly because he doesn't do that. He doesn't call out his guys publicly. And he did that apparently with the broadcast team. So that's one part of it. The second part of this is they were just running different plays. Like schematically, that is not the same run scheme that the Chiefs have been running for A, much of the season, but B, much of the last couple of years. That's what we've all been talking about. When we talked to Ron last year going into the season about, hey, they invested all of this money, invested all of these draft picks into the offensive line. What's going to change? I said, and a bunch of other super smart people that said it before me said, they're going to probably go to more gap schemes. They're going to start pulling guys. They're going to start running counter. They're going to start running trap. And guess what? They did it finally against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it worked. So I want to see more of that moving forward. I want to see the stuff that worked in that game against the Raiders, against the Buffalo Bills, against, oh boy, that San Francisco 49ers front seven as well. It ain't going to get a whole lot easier from here, but you showed that it can work. Now you got to show that you can do it again. So to illustrate just how good their offensive line was and how good the running game was against this elite Bucks run defense, and they are elite, like they are one of the best run defenses in the NFL for like five consecutive years. Like they have been outstanding against the run. They gave up more rushing yards to the Chiefs than they had in any game since 2018. Like that's how good their run defense had been. And that's how great the Chiefs running game was against them. It, on Sunday night football. And that's how great the offensive line was. So whatever Andy said to them, hopefully that's all they needed. And that's what we'll get every single week. I think they play good cup, bad cup. I think by the way, Vita Vea was drafted in 2018. So that's basically since Vita Vea was on the box. Yeah. Yeah, Todd Bowles got there. Yeah. I think they play good cup, bad cup. I think Andy came in there and hit him with that. I'm just so disappointed with you. And then Andy Heck thought he was going to let him have it, but then Eric Bieniemy got re- unleashed, and they just said, "Andy, uh, Eric, go ahead and do you. And I think Eric just cussed them cats smooth out, <laughs> up and down, up and down. Everybody got it. I mean, they called in ex-offensive linemen, and they got cussed out too. I mean, it, everybody, everybody got a hold of it. Jeff so Allen got a call. Jeff <laughs> Allen was out there. They cussed him out. He went far. Trizel Jenkins, he came out there. He got cussed out. Everybody. And John Tate, Casey Wigman, it was weird. I-65, he got cussed out. I mean, they let them all have it. I mean, he wasn't playing. Anybody around here. Andy Heck got cussed out, didn't even know what happened. Just walked out. <laughs> Andy said, I'm just disappointed in you. Eric, go ahead and talk to him. <laughs> I can imagine the first five words out of Eric's mouth. Look here, you sorry sons, and then the door closed behind him. And nobody heard the rest of it. <laughs> just throwing stuff to him about. I guess this is why Eric, Eric ain't no head coach. He just go cuss people smooth out. More to dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. 
Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.